If you're studying for an InfoSec certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the Wanna Practice app. Thousands of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, each aligned with the official exam outline in a fully interactive format. Study by domain or take a simulated full practice exam. All functionality and content is available from any device with a browser or use our new Android app in the Play Store. So if you want to prepare for the CISSP, SSCP, CCSP, CISM, or CISA exam, go to wannapractice.com. Wanna practice. Success and certification is in your hands. Welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week, gentlemen, we're going to have a fairly fun episode. Uh, we're going to talk about a game. Um, but before we do that, we just have to do a, a quick couple of updates on some topics we've talked about historically on this show. The first of which, now, I'm going to ask you if you're surprised at this, but it turns out that an American governmental federal agency is buying metadata about American citizens from third-party private entities. Does that shock you? No, we've talked about this before. Yeah, to the point where we're sick of hearing it, and it doesn't make it any less reprehensible. <laughs> turns out, turns out this week, uh, a letter released by uh, Senator uh, uh, Wyden from Oregon um, now alerts us to the fact that the NSA has been engaged in this practice, and that Senator Wyden uh, actually knew about this for three years when his committee first looked into uh, the uh, possibility of this practice existing. And when the committee came out with their report, the NSA required that the information be kept classified and not releasable to the public. Senator Wyden kept pestering the NSA to declassify the information, or actually, classify is kind of the wrong word. The, the information itself is unclassified, but whether or not it can be released to the public is a different animal altogether. And remember, this is a thing that only other governmental entities like, you know, senators have to abide by. U.S. citizens don't unless they're federal employees or military now, personnel. Um, just to clarify, so the information that's classified, was it the information about who they were gathering and, and what they were gathering, or is it the actual information that they were gathering? That they were gathering. The okay. fact that they were engaged in this practice. Okay. And here's the great part, I think, of this story. The only redeeming part. When you are a U.S. senator, you can kind of influence certain government agencies to do things that the normal citizen like you or I could not. Matt, on a recent episode, you mentioned you've used your fax machine to uh, contact your elected representatives a few times, which may or may not be persuasive. But... Senator Wyden had to go to the extent of withholding confirmation of the nomination of the new NSA chief before the NSA got around to saying, oh, oh, yeah, okay, I guess you can finally release that information now, which is not the way this should have to work, but 
it did work and all props to Senator Wyden. Um, so it took three years uh, to get this revealed. This is the latest in revelations of many agencies doing this. And here's the thing that now the new news pisses me off about. Not only is our government circumventing the Fourth Amendment by going and purchasing this stuff on the open market that they would otherwise require a subpoena or a warrant for, not only are they using my tax money to do this, but it looks like they're all buying the same stuff multiple times. Mm-hmm. We can add fraud, waste, and abuse to the overall torture of this program. <laughs> but that way, I think they can all say, well, we are not sharing that data we are not allowed to have with each other. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I understand that practice completely. I, I feel it's stupid. I agree. They should not do it. I also in agree. 2000, in, in the year 2001, <laughs> following the September 11th attacks, U.S. Congress passed a, a hurry-up law that said within the next 90 days, all intelligence agencies within the United States government must set up an intelligence-sharing network in order that none of them not have information that another doesn't because one of the in, one of the results of the investigation into the September 11th attacks is that one entity may have known about the plotters and did not contact another entity and a lot of this was for good reason there was some purposeful stovepiping in that those agencies tasked with looking at foreign adversaries such as the CIA and the NSA we're not supposed to share information with domestic uh, intelligence agencies like the FBI. Um, and I worked uh, on that project uh, from the FBI side of it. I, I was the ISSM for their uh, counter-terror intel sharing network. And they, they worked really hard at establishing this information sharing property. <laughs> so if they're all buying different shit and not sharing with it each other, they're violating law as well. So that's another black mark against this program. Uh, I, I can't believe this is still a thing. I can't believe we're still uh, playing with it. And 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 the really awful thing is every time an intelligence agency gets caught doing this, they all say the same thing. Don't worry. It's only metadata. Yeah. <laughs> no PII involved. It's, it's only data about data. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which would raise the immediate question, well, if it's not useful, why the fuck are you collecting it? Uh, but boy, so, I would sure love to be a Facebook or a Twitter right now and, and know that I can have all these government agencies paying me over and over for the exact same data. So they have some flunky intern collecting the data, you know, sending them a zip file. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, FBI needs it now. Okay, that's another $100,000. Oh, CIA wants it now. Oh, there's another $100,000. And the same intern is just hitting send, 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 send. It's a great revenue-generating yeah. scheme, isn't it? And, and, and I imagine there's one sales guy with a Coke habit and, you know, four <laughs> ex-wives and seven children who's, who's just like, oh, okay, let me call this next intelligence. We yeah. have so many intelligence agencies, Rafti, we don't know how to count them all. I know, I know. I kid now, you not. The the thing that uh, comes to mind uh, because you're saying like they're breaking the law and then they're breaking the law again. Isn't there a saying like when you break the law, don't break the law? 
uh, again, you know, like if you're transporting coke over the border, make sure you don't speed. So that yeah, cops... drive the speed limit. I like that. exactly. And stuff I don't like know that. if there's a saying, but there should be. Now, I, I have heard it from card counting people because card counting is not illegal. And if you count the cards, um, don't make be sure you know when you have to show your ID and stuff like that, um, so that you don't break the law on that thing, you know. Yep. <laughs> that just makes sense. As far as I understand, the professionals in that realm call it advantage play, but <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I like as well. Euphemisms. <laughs> just change the change the wording a little bit. It becomes a little bit more palatable. And I have no problem with something like card counting. If it is a game of chance and you can use memory to your advantage, well, more power to you. That that shouldn't be a problem. Now, I think most casinos are getting away from physical cards anyway. It's all going electronic. So you always have a fresh deck, so you're losing that ad, uh, advantage. But that's going to bring us to our main topic for this week. So hang on to that. I got one more update on a current event, though. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Rafi. Was there another thing you wanted to add there? Look like no. I'm just it. saying. Okay. Like, I feel like it's in the same way. It's like if the agencies do something that might technically not be illegal, but by not sharing it, it with each other, are doing something that's actually illegal. That's just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm with you there. They're not and playing the, the fact advantage. That they're getting double charged. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that would make me mad as well. And this yeah. is on and the same thing where like so many so many agencies buying that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There should be like one storehouse if you're gonna do it. You know, you should get the government rate, which is supposed to be discounted anyway, you know? Ah, golly. All right. Second thing is, I know we talked about this, Matt. You're going to have to refresh my memory. Is the name of the murderer Murdoch or Murdaugh or? Uh, yeah, it's got a fake CK at the end of it. Yeah. Mur so it's Murdoch. Yeah, it's pronounced Murdoch spelled Murdaugh, but yeah, Murdoch. Okay. All right, so, and this was the case of the guy who murdered his wife and son at their Woodland estate, trying to cover up years of perfidy and, and make use of their life insurance or whatever the hell his craziness was all about, right? Have you heard any of the updates to this case? I have not. I'm interested to hear. Okay, so I just read an article dated today from a South Carolina newspaper. Um, uh at I think 9 a.m. Uh, South Carolina time today, the first of the jurors from that case will be interviewed by the judge of that case uh, at the behest of the defense team. Now, Murdoch got uh, convicted a year ago and is already mm -hmm. serving the first of two consecutive life sentences for his murders. And... The defense team is claiming that the county clerk in the case, a woman named, I think, Hill, if I remember correctly, was tampering with the jury during the time of the trial. Because evidently, and I was not aware of this, um, the county clerk is the one responsible for the care and feeding of the jury during their time in the trial, the, the making sure they get their sandwiches on their lunch break, that they have access to the restroom, you know, whatever it is. I've never served on jury duty, so I'm not familiar with this. Matt, have you? Yeah, I've done jury duty. I think the word you're searching for is impaneled. 
while the jury is impaneled, then yeah, the county clerk is responsible for them. I think, okay, that's correct. All right. And did you get good sandwiches or were they like really bad sandwiches? All of my trials got canceled. I was really hoping to to be a juror and to be, you know, go under the, the voir dire where they question you <laughs> because I wanted to. <laughs> so you haven't, you haven't served as a. I, 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 I've, I've, I've served jury duty, yes, but I've never actually been a juror on an actual trial because. Okay, well, yeah, I've done that too. I've been called and I oh, did. Oh, okay. To, okay. I did get to voir dire and, and got kicked out every time. Um, and, uh, I've got a funny story about jury duty, but it's probably not appropriate for here. About oh, how I got, oh, that's how I got out of jury duty for uh, 30 years. <laughs> I worked for a that's company. awesome. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get summoned for, for, you know, well over 20 some years. <laughs> that's the reason why you feel you can share this now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. holy crap that is amazing <laughs> and i uh, this, love that this is this, this is not true at all uh, if any if any attorneys are listening this is absolutely not a true story i just made all this up that yes. i did not oh yeah this is just on spec we're we're thinking of uh ferris bueller part two the sequel and uh you know <laughs> i may have to go back and edit this if i rethink this Matthew <laughs> Broderick's our age, so it'd be yep. really it'd be appropriate. Um, yep. Yeah, wow, outstanding. Okay, That's all right. Um, <laughs> that is a great story. Um, okay, so it turns out that during the impanelment, Hill may have been taking one-on-one conversations with the jury four person. Um. And Hill may have been making comments to the jury when they were being escorted into their sandwich eating room, whatever that was, saying things like, oh, you're going to hear some stuff on the stand today, but just take it with a grain of salt. Which is not what any of the court officers should be engaged in doing. They should be as impartial as possible. Uh, The jury is supposed to be sacrosanct and isolated from all updates and knowledge. It turns out that Hill was also writing a memoir about her experience (laughs) as county clerk during this process. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I... I guess that's not a, I I can't argue that on First Amendment grounds. You know, it's her experience. She lived it. She should be able to write a book. But she was already planning on doing that while she was in office and may have been making comments to the jury. So Mm -hmm. all of the jurors have been called up. They will be asked a series of questions by the judge. Um, One juror cannot make the Monday scheduled appearance because of a conflict, so the juror will be interviewed today. The other 11 will be interviewed on Monday. The judge has asked the news media, who are going to be allowed to witness this, not to release the questions nor the juror's answers until Monday morning at 9 a.m. so that the the other 11 jurors won't be influenced by the first juror's testimony. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how this will turn out. Um, usually this sort of appeal does not occur a year later. Usually it's a lot faster than that. Um, the, this happens, what's that? Like this happens, has happened multiple times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, okay. We, we give our convicts a lot of opportunity to appeal both on fact and on, uh, law. So, 
both on the way the, the, the trial takes place, like if something goes wrong, you know, if the procedure is messed up, or if they're going to challenge the constitutionality of the law itself. Um, and that's right and proper. I think, I think all suspects and convicts should have that opportunity. We need to keep everybody honest. And in fact, if the clerk did do these things, even though it seems really clear this motherfucker was guilty, um, we need to give the defense team every opportunity to see if they influence the jury. Pretty much the questions they're going to be asking, if I had to guess, the judge is going to say, did this happen? What happened? And did this influence the outcome of your decision? That that would be my guess. Um but we'll how see. how would they know if it would influence their like decision? Well, this is part of the artifice of our judicial proceedings is that we have this we have this construct where even during testimony, if one side objects to something, the judge can say to the jury, strike that, do not consider that in your deliberation. Even though the jury's already heard it. So yeah, sure. asking, you know, asking a human being to dump Forget their something. ram, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's artificial, but we trust the jurors to take their responsibility seriously. And I'll give you the, my famous example, which I have from a, a good friend of mine from years ago, who may not have been the smartest person in the world, may not have been what I consider the most trustworthy and diligent juror in the entire world, but took the responsibility seriously. He said, they were in a uh, a trial of theft. Someone had stolen some construction materials from a job site. And there were a list of charges against the suspect, uh, all the way from, you know, larceny to grand larceny, because that's what the prosecutors do is they, you know, enumerate as many different charges as possible. At the end of the trial, both teams do get to debrief the jurors afterwards. And this is voluntary on the part of the jurors. The jurors can take part or not. And it's so that both uh, the prosecutor and the defense can improve their own process. And one of the questions the prosecutor kept asking is, you found them guilty in all these other charges. Why did you not find them guilty on grand larceny? It it exceeded a certain amount. I think it was $2,000 at the time. And the jurors had to explain, and my friend explained, we wanted to help you out there. Because it was, you know, we knew that the guy stole the stuff. You never established in court the value of the stuff that was stolen. Mm. If you just would have brought up a, a, either the receipt for the original stuff or a comparable listing of what that stuff goes for on the open market, we could have given you grand larceny in a heartbeat. And the prosecutor was gobsmacked and said, that, that's law 101. I can't believe I missed that. I thought that I had said it. I'm so sorry. You're right. That was dumb. And I was impressed with my friend from actually coming to that determination. And he said they actually talked about that for over an hour because one of the guys on the jury was a contractor and knew the value himself. But you're not allowed to bring that into the courtroom with you. And therefore, again, they were operating within the artifice of the confines of the trial, which is the way it's supposed to be, even though it kind of sucks, right? <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah. So maybe if there would not have been, just uh, as a thought experiment, if there would not have been a contractor who knew the value, 
maybe a jury might have been, yeah, that looks expensive and stuff like that. But because but they're not allowed to make that assumption. And the, oh, they're and not allowed to make that assumption. Okay. I was just the, curious, maybe because they knew it, they are paid closer attention if it would no, be said. No, it's, the, it's okay. the opposite. The jury instructions are very, very clear. They okay. say, unless it was in the courtroom, it doesn't exist. Okay, cool. Cool. And again, and again, we know how we know how fake that is. Uh, you know, that's completely artificial, but it's how we have Some to go people. about it to make it fair for everybody, right? And that's also the reason why it's so many people, because then they can keep taps on each other and everybody has to be honest. Yeah. No, that's absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And, and and it's a shitty system, but it's the best one anyone's ever come up with. You know, I mean, I'd rather be tried in an American court for a crime than anywhere else. Uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. All right. So the icing on the cake, the memoir written by the county clerk recently got pulled from sale because the clerk admitted she'd plagiarized large sections of it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> from where? John Grisham? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing newspaper and magazine accounts. I mean, you yeah. know, that, that'd be my, but I just love that. I mean, I, th this has been such a circus from start to finish. It's uh, quite. When are lovely. people going to learn if you're writing a book or a memoir or anything in 2024, just have chat GPT do it for you. Then you're not plagiarizing anything. <laughs> you're, you're sure about that? <laughs> not put, intentionally plagiarizing. Quotes, make quotation marks be your opening character and quotation yeah, right. marks be your ending character and attribute and then, it all to somebody else and that's fine there you go you cited your reference yep, there you yep. go right is this your professional as an author your professional recommendation <laughs> here's the thing to me here's the thing to me. the only reason i've never plagiarized the only reason i i, I don't copy and paste other people's stuff is because i hate doing bibliography sites so I'll go through I'll go through the effort of rewriting something and mentioning in parenthetical citation, which I find much easier than actually doing a citation or a reference. And and yeah, that I can't believe. And and there's been a a recent spate of um, I, this should be a whole separate episode at some point. Something like twenty two percent of recent professional journal articles of the past three years are being revised or pulled from their journals because chat gpt is now revealing how many of those failed to properly cite their sources and have included plagiarism hmm. that's huge and that's a massive indictment of the peer review process and academia in general um so we'll see how all that turns out too interesting <laughs> fascinating um, I'm having this, flashbacks to AP English in, in high school. <laughs> what, what was the handbook we had to follow? Like MLA or it was called MLA something. was one of okay. them. Uh, Turabian was the other one. The Chicago <laughs> style, you know, Strunk and White. Oh uh, God, yes, yeah, Strunk. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the you know the American uh, legal. Uh, what is it? Uh, there's another one. Yeah, the, I've 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 had so many style guides over the years. Uh, Air Force had Tongue and Quill was one of them uh yeah they're all <laughs> uniformly awful yeah um all right uh so look i did both updates right yep okay yeah we're sitting on pins and needles ben we're waiting for this uh this big 
topic you you have brought this is nothing new but it's new to me which is why i want to talk about it because i think there's some really nifty wrinkles here have either of you played a party game called either mafia or werewolf yes no i've heard of it rafty tell me what mafia is slash werewolf are Okay, yeah, so, and there are a couple ones similar to that as well. And then, yeah, there's but, a whole bunch of variations and stuff, but just give us what the basic one is. Yeah, so you have, um, uh, basically, normally you have two groups um, with different objectives uh, trying to fight against each other in a setting where it's, it's uh, portrayed as a town, and everybody has a secret role. And uh, there is two cycles. Typically, it's a day and a night cycle. And during the day cycle, everybody um, is a town citizen. And they're all discussing and are allowed to talk. Um, and they get to choose whom to kill during the day. Not just figuratively, of course. Yeah, um, it's a real awful party game if you actually start <laughs> actually kill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and during the night cycle. And so the objective uh, is for them is for the citizens of the town to kill all the bad ones. Either that be the mafia or that be the werewolves or whatever other creature. And during the nighttime, the smaller group, which are the werewolves or is the mafia, uh, get to use their abilities. Uh, and typically that's just like kill one other person. And they are allowed during the nighttime to see each other and non-verbally, of course, communicate with each other, and then they they sort of like try to kill the people, and so it's a. It's can, a I, can I can I uh, can I there as well? Can sure. I touch up on the, this? Is a group played at a party in a room usually, and there's again yes. a bunch of variations. And you have cards uh, like you don't have to reveal and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a Physical. party game with a minimum of six people, yeah. uh, where usually uh, uh, one third or you know a minimum of two people are designated before the game starts as the werewolves. Yes. And you all sit around in this room. During the night cycle, everyone closes their eyes and the moderator says, okay, now the werewolves are active. And the yes. werewolves themselves can open their eyes. They can non-verbally communicate with each other. They know the identity of the other werewolf or werewolves. But none of the townspeople do because they all have their eyes closed. The werewolves get to pick through their own uh, process who they're going to kill during the night. Then when the night ends, everybody opens their eyes and everybody can talk. The werewolves act secretly among the villagers pretending to be villagers. And the villagers vote on who they're going to kill because they think that person's a werewolf. The end state... What's that? This is exactly the 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 uh tv show the traders which i've brought up to you before there have been alan, alan cumming is hosting it's the exact same there've thing. been there have been several games several television shows based on the game okay uh i think there was a lithuanian game where they use celebrities playing this and and mm -hmm. uh it seems like a great idea right i mean it's just a, an awesome concept um yeah. and uh, the fascinating thing, the thing that brought it to my attention was actually one of my neighbors who read uh, my privacy book, because the whole basis of the game is an informed minority with more intelligence, that is information, than the majority will almost inevitably win against the large majority without that information. 
Now, here's the interesting thing, and this is the really fascinating. It, look, before we get there, let's do a quick a, a bit of history. The game was created in 1986 uh, by a Russian psychology grad student named Dmitry Davidoff. And he said he based it on the uh, work of a uh, much, much earlier psychology professor in the 1920s. And he wanted to use it as sort of a training tool. But it got out of his laboratory and into the wild in his university and immediately became popular among, you know, college students who would play this drunkenly late into the night. And then it spread all over Europe and it spread. There have been so many iterations of this game. It's played at conventions now, especially among sci-fi and fantasy nerds. Um, he, uh, Davidoff started it as Mafi, mafioso. Um, it segued into werewolf because werewolf has more uh, cultural ubiquity. Um, it's, it's, a you know, it transfers across many, many more cultures. Um, and there've been many variations added to it where new characters and roles are added to make it more complex and such. Now, here's the amazing part to me. This is what really struck me. Because gamification and game theory have been such a hot property in academia in the past 20 to 30 years, it has been studied mathematically. And on paper, according to the math, the werewolves will always win. Simply, really? Yeah, simply because, again, having command of more information is that powerful of a tool. And probability does not stack against foreknowledge. So of a thousand games played, you might randomly kill the werewolves uh, oh, and I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the win state. After a certain number of day-night cycles, either the werewolves have killed all but two villagers, or the villagers have killed both werewolves. Um, yep. uh, uh, mathematically, the odds are, even with uh, random chance, you're not going to be able to kill the werewolves except one time out of ten. Whereas the werewolves are going to successfully winnow down the villagers. However. And this is the super fascinating part. It's in not real working. Like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Rafti, what, what, what's your experience or knowledge here? Typically, if you're the werewolf, you're in a tough spot. And I feel like the reason for that is because lying is difficult and information always gets out. Yeah. And, and uh, the, you don't pick typically the werewolves. Wh whomever they pick is not at random, of course. And so whom you discuss with during the daytime and who gets killed during the night. Sometimes werewolves can, if they're smart, take that as an advantage. But typically, if you're in a fight during the day, at least one of the werewolves wants to kill that person. And mm -hmm. then even if you're smart enough, you don't, you cannot help because you don't want to argue with that because with the other person, it's nighttime. If you're like, gesturing too much during the night as well you're like revealing who you are also so it's a lot of stuff but yeah typically the werewolves lose interesting i did not know that mathematically they should win because that's that, not the experience i have <laughs> no and that's and and oddly that's not the experience of most of the people who played the game most of the time the villagers win and this has been found out through a lot of study of this, because this has become a, a psychological study in and of itself. Uh, if 
repeated games are played among the same group. The possibility of the werewolves winning declines to almost zero. I believe that. You start to learn others' behavior and tells, right? Yep. Yep. If you introduce pen and paper that each person playing can record what's been going on and keep notes, werewolves decline to almost zero. Because you can start to keep track of, you know, this person argued with this person, this one voted for this guy, and then that guy died, and, you know, that kind of thing. That might explain, because I used to play uh, Weird Chat as well, back in the early days of 2000, um, where Flash games were still a thing. And I wanted to say, well, but a lot of the tell telltale signs are physical, but that's like, but also like if you're texting, same thing. It is so interesting. Ah. Even over IRC, they found yeah. out that werewolves have an almost impossible time winning once you've played more than one game with somebody. Sure. And Rafti, what you said <clears throat> is one of the reasons that psychologists point to is that most of us socialized, civilized human beings are not geared for lying and that we crack under the pressure eventually, even in a mock setting with no stakes other than winning a stupid party game, we still aren't good at lying unless you're playing with sociopaths. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's almost impossible to, to win as the werewolf. The other thing is the converse of that same concept. We're also very friendly and cooperative. And that simple fact, just the fact that even over an IRC communication, you build up some rapport with the person you're talking to. Even if all they are is text on a screen, the werewolves have a reluctant time killing someone they've allied with. It's really fascinating that as social creatures, we have a tough time murdering even fakely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a really social game. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I've never played this game as a, in, a, in a party setting or anything like that. But like I said, I have watched the first season of The Traders and the second season of The Traders is going on. And it's this exact thing where you have traitors and then you have faithfuls. There's a, I think it's, there's three traitors and then about 20 faithfuls. And so, yeah, the faithfuls try to suss out the traitors, traitors murder. And then in the open discussion during the day part, you know, or, or the equivalent in the game, yeah, everybody's up for grabs and you see people arguing, you know, oh, so-and-so said this, so-and-so made this gesture, or I heard, uh, you know, someone, you know, uh, uh, brushing, you know, their, their arm past me whenever they walked past or something like that. And so I think they're, they're a traitor. So yeah, I, 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 I can see um, all the psychological and the social aspects of this and, uh yeah, it's it's fascinating. So, how did this come up come up on your radar, Ben? How how are you f- finding out about this? I I think I mentioned my uh, one of my neighbors who read my privacy book sent me uh, a video of someone talking about this and talking about how limiting that set of information who is a werewolf gives such an undue amount of power to that minority that elite group of werewolves who can talk at night, you know, or can communicate at night um, over the majority who have less information. And, uh, you know, my neighbor said that I found this really relevant based on your book. And I was like, no shit. That's exactly (laughs) been my point about our fake privacy that we have now. The, the illusion of privacy where certain, uh, a limited group of super entities 
banks, governments, credit bureaus, they have this data that is not available to the rest of us and therefore can exercise undue influence over the majority, the rest of us, the, the common citizenry. And uh, I, I, I really like, and I'm not just doing this to promote my book, but what, what I'm saying <laughs> is um, it's one of the things that continues to reinforce every time I doubt my premise, uh, I run across something like this where I truly believe we either have to get to post-private faster, which is going to be uncomfortable for all of us who are raised with privacy, or we have to come up with some ways of making that data egalitarian to where either we all have it or nobody has it, or we have to remove that data from those elite few and keep it among us as individuals. And that's what Safing and Rafti do, where it's distributed privacy where each individual has much more control rather than the small entities who aggregate it all from the rest of us, which dovetails nicely with the NSA ganking all our metadata, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just find this whole concept fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just as a as a thing here, um, if somebody wants to give the game a, a try, I like there are subgroups um, when you play with more people. Typically, like in the werewolf setting, um, you introduce the vampires as a another faction. Um, faction or the cult. And I like the cult as well because the cult starts with one cult leader and he recruits another person each night. And so alliances change throughout the game because, um, yeah, that's that's just there fun. are so many cool variations, and you can just read on the Wikipedia page about some of this stuff. Um, there's one called like the little girl. She's yeah. allowed. She's a villager who's allowed to peek at night, but if any of the werewolves see her peeking, she dies of fright. Um, I mean, and, you know, there's one called the bomb where, you know, if the werewolf tries to kill the bomb, the bomb blows up and kills that werewolf. I mean, it's just just some really, really cool things that have been added to the complexity of the game over the years. Um, uh, there's there's a zombie flavored one where you don't kill the villager, you infect them and now they become a zombie, too. And Oh, that's almost like like with the cult. I like that. Like if the if the this makes this game more fun, if alliances change throughout the game um just some extra abilities make it also a bit fun but changing alliances that's that's the most <laughs> and what i you know in addition to all the other things i love about this game it's absolutely free it costs nothing you don't need any cards or a board or pieces you don't need a computer this is just something you can do literally as a party game. You can all just, it's like charades. And mm -hmm. even in charades, you have to have a piece of paper with the thing written on it. Right. You don't even need that for werewolf. It helps if you're like selecting who's who. And of course, of course. The, the people who are dead typically don't play, like stay in the game. So they leave. So it's, it's, it's not the best party game. That's what I'm saying, especially <laughs> in, in large groups. Because it, people are getting bored while it's played, while it's being played. I see, and I wouldn't. I, if I was dead, I'd get fascinated about watching. Now, again, the dead aren't allowed to talk or inform yes. the the the, pro, the process anymore, and it's got to be very hard for them not to wink or smile or nod. At, you know, but uh, but just as a witness to it, I think it'd be a hoot, especially if we're all semi drunk. I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> Which makes the not talking even harder, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
<laughs> when you're dead. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Or even just yeah. laughing at the wrong thing or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Now there was a video game called um, Among Us. Is yep. is that similar to this? It, no, it's not. Okay. Because I've seen my kids play it. I've never actually played it, but I was under the impression that there was like somebody who was like murdering people and you didn't know who they were or something like that. That's Wasn't true. that in the beginning of uh, the latest Knives Out movie? He's playing. He's playing Among Us with some celebrities. I saw the first Knives Out. I didn't see the second one. It's good. It, Glass good. Onion. I, I oh, really yeah. enjoyed it. And okay. I think he's pl he's playing it with like Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Angela Lansbury. Or no, I think she's dead. When uh, I think about the 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 uh, Glass Onion, it's it's just dumb. You know, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's almost smart. No, it's <laughs> <just> dumb. <laughs> Rafti sounded like an American there. <laughs> no, but he's not. He it, it, well, is he supposed to be an American accent? I don't know. Yeah, but he's it's, supposed to be like Kentucky. He's supposed yeah. to be okay. Like a, but it was yeah, like yeah. it's just, and I'm like, oh, I love that because that's what I thought when I watched it. It's just dumb. Okay, no, but Among Us, it's it's similar-ish, um, but it's way less disgusting. Um, you have to do stuff in Among Us. You have to run around and. And okay. actually achieve goals as as to crew, and so it's it's so much different uh, that I would say it's not the same. It's not okay. much uh, as much psychology as it is. Oh, I'm just yeah, or something. Yeah, it's okay. a platformer, isn't it? No, yeah, it's it's top down two D stuff, but yeah, it's kind of like Legend of Zelda ish looking. Yeah, where you yeah. You're, you're looking down on the screen. But it was Again. super big at one point, right? Everybody yeah, was yeah. playing it during the pandemic during the, or something. Exactly. Yeah. I haven't played it. I may want to try it. You do play online, right? You do play against yes. other people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think and that's so you the whole point of it. Yeah. I, I think that's the whole, whole point of it is that, yeah, you have to have a bunch of people online, you know, 20 or 30 people, I guess. Again, I wish I had played it, uh, uh, seeing my kids play it and get into it. It was kind of like Angry Birds. It was a huge fad, like you said, for a little while there, and then it, it tapered off really quick. But uh, it seems like everybody at least is aware of it. It's in the zeitgeist for, for sure. Not well, if you want to play sometime, uh, I'm game to try. So I've tried to play games with you before. I've, we're even <laughs> friends on the networks or the uh, Nintendo Switch thing, and you're never on. So, no, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I haven't turned on my switch, I think, since after the third week I bought it. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, just yeah, I can see my friends on there, and I always see slow on there, and he's he he's not been on in, in quite a while. So I'm it's a... just a very uh, colorful dust collector. Uh, yeah. yeah. So just as a clarification, in Among Us, you do have um, the the crew discussing whom to kill, but it's not a day night cycle. Somebody has to press the meeting button, uh, then everybody is there. Um, and the, the, um, betrayer, like the monster thing, magic, he can kill multiple people before somebody finds the, the corpse. Um, during that discussion, yes, there has to, like the, the crew can decide on whom to get out of the airlock, but it's less, as I said, it's not the day night cycle. So it's less discussing whom to kill. Uh, it's, uh, less revealing in regards to, um, like during daytime, who's discussing with whom, how much, and then during the night, then that person dies. It's more opportunistic from the the um, like the alien thing, um, based on who's alone and stuff like that. And so it's 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 super it's different, but I understand where you're coming at that it's similar in that regard. And I'm sorry, let me correct what I said before. The variation that I thought of was not zombies because zombies don't have 
cooperation and they don't pretend to be human during the day. <laughs> the variation is the thing, like John ah. Carpenter, where, you know, the thing can pretend to be human when among other humans. It, yeah. That's totally irrelevant, but I just think it's cool, and I love the thing mythos. So, yeah. Now, the big question is, Ben, especially for you and I, being of the age that we are, how are we going to get six people together at a party? <laughs> we just don't had... party anymore, yeah, and that's right. the problem, you know? <laughs> I might have to do one of those IRC things. <laughs> that's awesome. Fire up IRC. When's the last time you turned on IRC? <laughs> earlier than my switch i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) um but But, speaking of games uh matt you also had a good idea when i proposed this uh just an overall game concept for the episode uh uh you you suggested that we do a playthrough of you don't know jack with the three of us during an episode yes yes uh, and also that we would whip Rafti's ass because yes. all the trivia is so old that Rafti <laughs> would be at a disadvantage as long as he stayed away from chat GPT. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm totally down for this. I think it would be a hoot. I don't know if our audience would dig it that much. Yeah, I don't know if it would translate to uh, a, a podcast, but it would be fun for us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would really enjoy trying, Rafti, if, you're, if your game uh it it might be a thing we're trying for our three listeners if this is something you want to do um or you want us to do you want to listen to us being idiots um (laughs) by all means let us know you know send us an email uh reach out to us on linkedin or wherever else Uh, we'd be glad to hear from you if you think it's a terrible idea let us know and we won't do it so uh (laughs) we we might not do it (laughs) We have to just ask Walter Spielman uh, uh, to do it. Um, now, Walter might kick our asses. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, you mean invite him to play the game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we, no, yeah. I meant to ask him whether we should do it or not, because oh, he's okay. kind of no. our de facto producer at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I meant if we replaced Rofty with somebody a little bit more our age, yeah, Walter would. He'd would slaughter us. us. He yeah. would just absolutely dominate. And uh, I don't know if I could take the humility. <laughs> Super cool. So, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. No. The, uh, the, 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 but this game uh, sounds pretty cool. So, um, I like the uh, the 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 information theory, and, and especially how on paper it uh, it goes one way, but in real life, once you take into account all the social factors, which is everything that we we deal with in security too, it always comes down to social factors and the human element, and not just okay. Well, on paper, this should be good enough. No, nope, you you didn't take into account that. You know, Bob in accounting has got a got a girlfriend on the side, or you know, Jill has got a got a, a cocaine habit, and you know, <laughs> all sorts the of the wetware. Stuff. It's <laughs> always the wetware. We are we are little chaos muppets, us human <laughs> beings. We just we don't go according to plan. We don't follow the math. Economists have this trouble all the time. They they have an artifice called uh, Homo economicus. Uh, which is the rational person acting, you know, according to the way things. Well, the market don't do that. The market goes crazy for tulips or Pokemon Go or Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. You know, (laughs) we just, we, we respond so weirdly over such bizarre things that it just, we're not predictable. I kind of like that about human beings. And I also like the fact that we're inherently cooperative, so we lose as werewolves. I kind of dig that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, and lying is harder than you think. It's it, it's hard to be a good, true liar and not get caught. People don't realize how, you know, people. Pe- I run into people all the time that think that they're good at business or they're good at X or they're good at Y. And it's just because no one ever told them, no, we realize how terrible you are at this thing. We are just too polite to ever tell you to your face that you are bad at this thing. And it's just, and lying is the exact same way. No one's ever, you know, been told you're a terrible liar other than, you know, when my wife, you know, asks me who ate the last, uh, you know, chocolate bonbon. I'm like, oh, my kid, our, our kid ate that. And she's like, no, you, you that's why you have kids, right? I yeah, mean, right. They're, they're little excuse engines, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, and, and we do this in voting. I mean, this is where the story of the emperor's new clothes comes from. You know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. even without the power <laughs> dynamic, we, we tend to be too polite to tell someone that they're doing something stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And much <laughs> sometimes to our own detriment, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the whole concept of failing upward is yes, predicated exactly. on people not exactly. being told that you're terrible at something and <laughs> stop it. John Hamm's character on the show 30 Rock. Uh, was the embodiment of that. He was so good looking that no one ever told him he did terrible in medical school, that he didn't know how to play tennis, that, you know, and it's just, it all, st- and, and Tina's Faye character, Tina Faye's character is the one skeptic who just can't put up with it at some point, who just, you know, has to tell him he's, he's out of his tree. Um, yeah. ex- he cannot uh, ride the motorcycle. Yes. yes. <laughs> excellent. Absolutely. Um, I do want to share one last thing that I just coincidentally happened to see on Twitter today. Um, no one ever talks about the who wolf, what wolf, when wolf, or why wolf. Ah, cute. <laughs> I like that. All the right. five questions, Rafi, do you get that? Who, what, when, where, yeah. why? Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Rafi had uh, a blank look on his face for, for a second there. <laughs> uh, I hate to end on a downer. But uh, I've never done this before on the show, and I, I don't intend to make this a regular thing. Um, but uh, a friend of mine, old, old friend of mine, uh, her son uh, is uh, suffering stage four cancer right now. And uh, I've known this young man since he was a baby. I held him in my arms when he was a newborn. I babysat him when he was an infant. Uh, by all accounts, he's just a terrific young man. Uh, he beat cancer three years ago. He's suffering from it again today. I'm not going to ask you uh, for charity. Instead, I'm uh, making available discounts for Wannabea products, if you want to take one of my courses. I'm going to put the link to his GoFundMe to defray his medical expenses and the expenses accruing because of lost work and other things. Um, I'm going to put that in the show notes. If you make a contribution on GoFundMe with your real name posted, and then you email me at ben at benmaliso.com with your real name, I will give you a discount for any product you want with a multiplier of 100%. So if you donate $30, you get a discount of $60. Um, I really want him to get as much help as possible. I want our community to reach out if we can. Uh, please and thank you in advance for for anything you can offer up. Uh, yeah, that's pretty noble of you, Ben. I'm, and, and yeah, we wish uh, this young man all the best. Uh, gosh, I uh, yeah, cancer sucks. <laughs> fuck cancer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. 
Um, nothing anyone should have to go through, but certainly not in your 20s and not twice in a row. That's, that's yeah. just not right. Um, okay. Well, then, <laughs> again, hopefully we'll have more fun next week. Until then, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Join us again for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P dot com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. <laughs>